0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon.
1: Well, hey there all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. The podcast where we help you get triathlon done. Lots of tips and tricks help you figure it out so you can have fun out there too. This is your coach and host, Brett Blankner. I'm here in Central Texas. It's a beautiful day outside. And on this episode, we have an interview with pro triathlete Antoine Desrochers. I believe I'm saying that right. He's from French Canada. And he hops in to talk to us about training and racing and what it's like training indoors up in Canada lots of cool tips a really young guy that's in college it's really neat interview and also I talk a little bit about Dogen the Zen master I believe from around 1300 AD really great guy with some great tips he's one of the biggest people in Zen Uh, lots of great advice from him and also we've got the training log and then also, how about a little bit of news? Here we go. All right, first up, and hot off the presses, is, is Garmin is releasing their power meter pedal. They have these Garmin Vectors, and the guts from them you uh, will now be able to transfer over to Shimano pedals. There's a $99 uh, adapter kit to move them from Garmin's uh, own Vector pedals over to Shimano pedals. So if you're a big fan of Shimano pedals, that's really cool. Still costs 99 bucks just for the adapters. But uh, I say that putting the power meter in the pedals is about as good as you're going to get besides putting them in your shoes. And uh, PowerTap actually has really reliable power meter pedals that I'm a big fan of. I don't own them, but I have a PowerTap uh, power meter in the uh, in the rear hub of my uh, race bike and I love it super simple works all the time so check that out oh by the way did I mention we're outside and there's just lots of birds and racket out here but it's really nice being out here in the sun uh, with a view of a big field in front of me and uh, there's a parking lot behind me with an occasional car but we have these birds here called grackles that are just loud They're I think they're named there's one I think they're named after the craziness of their sound and the racket that they make. They're kind of an invasive species. There you go, on cue. How about that? hope you all can hear that. Anyway, let's go back to some news. And we have uh, Gwen Jorgensen won her probably, I think, 17th race in a row uh, in New Plymouth. And these are ITU, Olympic distance ITU races. And uh, this is a big buildup to the Olympics, which the Olympics themselves are kind of in doubt what's going on in Rio. Uh, Rio de Janeiro I believe is where the uh, uh, the Olympics are going to be held and they've got pollution problems and nobody wants to swim in the water down there so how do you hold a triathlon without a swim? But we'll see where that all goes. Uh, Alberto Contador is now on Zwift. Zwift is the video game. We're going to be talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. We're going to be talking about on Uh, Future episodes, and a little bit on this episode. It's the video game that you can ride your bike on and uh, get uh, just awesome workouts in with. And uh, there was a post where Contador, the winner of one of the Tour de France's, uh, this guy's just awesome, and uh, he's a big deal. And he's now on Zwift, which is the name of the video game. That's pretty cool. Lends it some credence there. Uh, Rachel Joyce has announced that they're having a baby in it looks like September she posted the sonogram next to the, like her dog I think and it's uh, pretty cool and let's see that would make her not available unless she was crazy to do um, Kona you never know with things like what happens and it's a long ways off so we'll see and let's see big big support to her and let's see, in health news, which might, it's funny that when I go to the news online, the last bits of news in categories is like health and science, when actually that's the foundation of everything uh, and environment. Right? You can't have any of the other news unless you have health and uh, science and uh, environmental all working so that kind of news kind of sometimes you think should be at the top but way down at the bottom there was some diabetes news and as i said diabetes <laughs> and there's two well there's three pieces to this first one i don't know if it was like announced as a diabetes day or something like that but it's just a statistic in 1980 108 million adults were living with diabetes and in 2014, so from 1980 to 2014, the number has risen from 108 million to 422 million. So almost half a billion people with uh, diabetes. That is crazy. And uh, why? Well, we're about to get to that. In another news story, two big studies came out. And this is, uh, let me quote one of them. People who ate more full-fat dairy were 46% less likely to develop diabetes over a 15-year period. And there was like thousands of people in this study uh, than those who opted for low-fat dairy. So what this is saying is if you ate full-fat dairy, so whole milk, uh, whole cheese, not reduced fat, not reduced this, not low-fat, not skim, da uh... Full fat, forty-six percent less likely to develop diabetes than if you ate low-fat stuff. Really, really interesting because the theory goes is when you say, uh, "Oh, I'm going to eat carbs and uh, I'm going to eat low fat." Well, you you replace the uh, car the the fat with carbs, and then carbs spikes your blood sugar uh, temporarily, and then that gets uh, your insulin all messed up, which causes diabetes. And and you know honestly you ought to get to know how if you if none of this makes sense to you what I'm talking about, these words like blood sugar and spiking and uh, 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 high fat, low fat, you ought to, you ought to learn in carbohydrates because you will become intimately uh, involved with knowledge of this stuff pretty soon <laughs> because not knowing will get you in all kinds of health trouble. And uh, the second study, That kind of explains it all is, uh, and this was from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, uh, found that women who consumed the most high-fat dairy products were less likely to become overweight over time. So the people that ate the most high-fat dairy became less overweight, the least overweight, over time. Isn't that weird? And, And this is their theory in general high fat foods make you feel fuller faster causing you to eat less so what that means is if I eat some fatty stuff then uh, at a, maybe even before going into a meal or at a meal then um, that's gonna turn off my cravings for more food and in general, I'll eat fewer calories. Now, if I don't eat fat and I just eat carbs, then I'm going to keep eating and eating and eating to, um, to, uh, to fill that hole. And then uh, the stuff I keep eating, because it's carbs, is going to spike my blood sugar. And then that's going um, uh, if, to... If you're spiked, then your body says, I've got extra. And then it stores it. As fat and then makes you uh, sick and fat and fat and sick. Anyway, there's all that. So go check it out. It's all in the health news. It's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, a lot of studies are like small and don't have any good control groups, and this seems to be the opposite of that. It seemed, they seem to be pretty big and big groups of people, big studies over long periods of time. All right, now. Let's get into the last little thing that's kind of cool. Is a co worker of mine got this uh, Kickstarter crowdfunded device called Pavlov. So it's like Pavlov, P A V L O V, except this is Pavlov, P A V L O K. If you Google it, it uh, shows you that it is a bracelet that you wear and it's both dumb and smart. It will um, shock you. And you, you press a button on it and it shocks you. And my coworker let me wear this. And uh, it does, it does it two different ways. It can, you can just uh, say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this and shock yourself. You press a button. Oh, you press a button and then it goes, uh, it does a vibrate. It's like, I'm about to shock you. And then you're like, ah, and then it goes, bam, and it shocks you. And you can set the uh, range of shock that it gives uh, from 10% to 100%. And uh, we were shocking myself uh, earlier today with 100%. I did it twice <laughs> just for kicks. And you wear it like on your wrist like a Fitbit is what it looks like. And then uh, the other way, it works simultaneously if you want, is uh, on your iPhone, your, well she has a Galaxy, uh, Samsung. On your phone, you can set up a control panel and say, okay, shock me if I do this and if I do that. And um, I think it's got some gyroscopes to see if you do a certain behavior, it'll shock you. And then also you can connect it to apps. And there's like a Chrome extension that if you surf the Internet too long, it'll shock you. Things like that. So anyway, I, found, I wore it some yesterday, and I loved it. I found it instantly changed my behavior. Instantly. Uh, especially because my coworker uh, went behind a corner and shocked me with the phone without me knowing. I could not try to get that thing off my wrist fast enough. <laughs> But I found that uh, if I was not working and I was surfing, I would shock myself. And then after a while, I was like, man, I do not want to shock myself. Uh, so I'm going to keep working. And I got a whole lot more done. So it's pretty cool. It's called the Pavlock. And on Zentri, we talk about habits a lot. It's pretty cool. Good stuff to build yourself. And while we're on the topic of self-improvement and moving kind of out of the news a little bit, let's go ahead and talk about Dogan. So Dogan was from Japan, and uh, let's say, I could look up the dates officially, but let's say around 1300, maybe 1200, uh, he went over to China to study Chan, or Chan, I think is what they called it, and it was the early, it was a a predecessor of Zen, and then he studied under a master there, and then brought back uh, Zen with him back to Japan. Chan, and then they called it Zen in Japan, and then uh, it took off, right, and he uh, wrote down so much of what he learned, and he's just considered incredible, and I was listening to a talk the other day, and it was a a quote from Dogen, where he is saying, um, you don't paint, you don't paint, if you want to paint spring... Which ah, oh, it's coincidental. That's what we're in right now. So we got spring. You don't paint uh, willows and blossoms and tangerines, right? You don't paint them individually. You actually paint spring. That is a that is a painting of spring. Zen was big in the, is is big into uh, nature as your teacher. Um, if you paint the things individually, you're not actually painting spring. The the painting will be dull. And shallow and just vapid and just not uh, that you're trying to communicate the idea of spring right um, a painting of spring is you look at a spring scene the entire scene and then you paint what's going on right so spring isn't the pieces spring is its entirety so You would paint, what I'm looking at at spring right now, in front of me is a highway with grass blowing in the wind, green grass because it's been raining because it's spring, and the breeze, and then uh, the birds around me, and uh, um, I've just eaten a a nice meal, Um, and it's. I've got the windows rolled down because it's just the right temperature, just like spring is, and there's little puffy clouds kind of here and there, and uh, there's people out and about doing things, so there's lots of action you know as things are changing there's uh, flower blossoms all over the place there's texas wildflowers which are really nice and there's the sounds i don't think y'all could hear it but somebody hammering on something and uh, it's the sound of somebody building something which is spring you're building stuff nature is building and that is everything together right now that is spring so in the case of triathlon We have a problem where we just swim, and we just bike, and we just run for our training. And that's actually a bit of a problem, because you can do the pieces, just like, well, I'll get to that second, but you can do the pieces, and then on race day, when you try to put all the pieces together, you don't know how, and you haven't really trained for the whole thing. And so, just like, Spring. A painting of spring is not a painting of an orange blossom and a willow and uh, and uh, and a flower. <laughs> it's actually combining them all together. If you want to be successful in successful in triathlon, you have to practice mixing the sports together as a group and learning how to put them together so that you can create your masterpiece on race day. You can just kind of replicate it again and. The reason this caught my attention is because lately in training I have been doing a lot of bike and then runs. Right, uh, two-hour bike, one-hour run seems to be just a really nice uh, thing to go to. Because when you do that, when you do that one-hour run after you've biked, well, that bike has had an impact on the run. It's communicated. With the run, it's kind of lowered your ability, but you've gone into the the endurance mode. You're learning how to run after a longer bike ride. And it's very critical to know how to do this. And after you do it a few times, you learn how to fuel for that run. A one-hour run after a two-hour bike ride is a completely different kind of run than a one-hour run all by itself, right? You have different... uh, You've been eating different stuff your legs are a little bit tired from the bike but your legs are warmed up because they have been moving it's not like you're running from a cold start and then also a two-hour bike before a one-hour run you learn over time is not the same as a two-hour bike uh just by itself a two-hour bike uh when you're going to run a good you know six seven miles afterwards Uh, you have to uh, tone it down a little bit, and you're thinking about the run, and you're pacing yourself smarter, and you're tapering off the fuel at the end a little bit so that you uh, don't go into the run with a a bloated stomach. And uh, you're also having to hydrate particularly well. And uh, then when you put the two together, just like spring is actually a collection of a whole lot of things, when you put the two-hour bike and one-hour run together as one big thing, It becomes a three-hour workout, right? All of a sudden, it's bigger than the than the uh, the accumulation of its parts, because a three-hour continuous workout is a completely different workout than a two-hour workout over here, and then later in the day, a one-hour workout, right? This is real endurance. This is stringing stuff together, and when you also the thing I've noticed is that when you do this, it you you really come to terms and realize that you are a completely different kind of athlete. If this is your go-to workout, a long bike and then a run, then you are truly becoming a triathlete. Um, because you're not really a runner and you're not really a cyclist. You're, you're, you're something else. You're a mixed martial arts fighter of endurance sports, you got to be able to do it all. You got to be able to do high kicks and do punches and have a ground grappling game all at the same time. And uh, I can tell you that it works uh, from my own experience. And then also one of Dave Scott's, the the five time or was he six anyway, uh, winners of Ironman. One of his go to workouts was to bike and then run. This is all continuous, by the way bike, and then run, and then bike, and then run, and then bike, and then run, like half the day or all day long, and he said it taught you, when you started mixing them together, it really taught you the impact of putting, uh, mixing and matching them, them, the impact one has on the other, so on race day, whenever you do them, you realize that they, uh, that you should really slow down on the bike so that you can have a good run, and you wouldn't know it unless you mix them together. So, that's a little bit of modern uh, training, getting its roots from ancient Chinese and Japanese wisdom and painting spring and mixing it all together. How about that? Whew, that's a little deep. All right, now, for some fun, let's go over to our interview with Antoine and Rochers. And he, again, is from French Canada. As you can tell from his accent, I had a lot of fun talking with him. I started off the interview uh, thinking that we were going to talk about Zwift. And it turns out that uh, he actually doesn't use Zwift, but he trains indoors a lot. And he is going to be doing Galveston 70.3 with me this weekend. And so look for him. And also, uh, I've recorded an interview with Brad Williams, who is another pro triathlete. And he's going to be doing uh, Galveston 70.3 with me this weekend. Uh, next, we'll have him on the next show. Um, and also I am racing against Dark Mark of uh, Slow Twitch not slow Twitch of uh, <laughs> definitely not Slow Twitch of uh, uh, the real Starky TRS Trathon fame and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're having a duel out there calling each other uh, names and having fun with it. Uh, before we race, he's he's already suggested to me that I just don't even show up to the race if I'm going to make mistakes, like I typically do. <laughs> and uh, so the the Twitter banner is going back and forth, and it's a lot of fun. So check that out. Uh, darkmark is underscore dark underscore mark on Twitter. So enjoy our banner back and forth. But <clears throat> I digress. Let's get back to our interview with Antoine Desrochers, and here we go. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the next level.
1: All right, I am here with Antoine, and you're going to have to say your last name because you are from French Canada, and I don't want to mess it up. So yeah, it's
2: Antoine uh, Jolicoeur Desroches. <laughs> well, I would
1: have really messed that up. can cool. give give a try. So you're up in Montreal? Uh, Yeah,
2: actually, uh, right now I'm in uh, my uh, parents' house. It's uh, between Montreal and uh, Mont Tremblant, Uh just maybe one hour north of uh, Montreal. Mm -hmm. It's super nice to to train out here. I live like just close to to a lake, and there's nice uh, trails uh, in the forest for to run. And Mm -hmm. right now I do lots of uh, fat biking. Oh yeah! So it's super super nice. And now it's getting warmer. So what kind of fat bike do you have? It's a Spheric. It's from uh, Quebec City. Uh It's a they also make uh, wheels, like racing wheels, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. So It's nice to do like long, uh, long volume uh, ride instead of like going on the trainer.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Well, the reason you're here is I put a shout out on Twitter that if you're a, a fan of uh, Zwift and you're using Zwift to improve yourself and you're getting good results, uh, let me know and we can get you on the show to talk about it because I'm having so much fun with this. I want share to share it with everybody. And uh, you hit me back, and you're a pro. And uh, so, how long have you been a pro?
2: It's actually my second year, uh-huh. because before I was doing more uh, ITU uh, triathlons. But uh, two years ago, I decided to do my first uh, 30.3. I did the one in uh, uh, Muskoka, Ontario, because oh, okay. I, I broke my end in a Panam Cup in Mexico, and like all my like tri- ITU triathlon season was pretty much like yeah. messed up. So I was like, oh. Why not do a long distance uh, triathlon and I really like it. So I decided to take my uh, pro card for the next season. And uh, yeah, so this year is going to be my uh, second year.
1: Okay, and uh, what, what, was your, uh, what was your race time 70? 70...
2: In uh, Muskoka, Muskoka is one of the hard ones. The bike is uh, 93K. Uh-huh. I did uh, 430, wow. which was not, not really good. Yeah. But my first pro last year was I did Mont Tremblant and I mm-hmm. think I did uh, 410. Dang! But I was like still far from like uh, San- uh Sanders one. Uh huh. Think he did like 346 or something like that. So, oh yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lionel Sanders. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a slow twitch thread going on about his bike right now. And uh, yeah, I was
2: I was actually with him on, uh in Milton Ontario to do the the fit with uh Gallo. Oh and yeah. Altamontis. Yeah. So yeah, and we're talking about this, like mm-hmm. we haven't actually started to, to do the testing and there's actually already a, a forum about, about it, so that was pretty funny.
1: That was really cool, yeah, because uh, to get his position, I've I said on that thread that I had the exact same thing where to get my position nailed down, I had to throw on 130 meter, 130 millimeter stem on it. To get stretched out far enough, and then Lionel Sanders is lucky is that he's not tall enough where they can actually put him even on a bigger bike and yeah. and uh, get him a new frame and everything like that. So I, I imagine he's such a big deal with uh, with LG Louis Garno. That uh, and
2: also it's a it's a big deal big, big deal in Ontario.
1: Yeah,
0: so
2: there was like a camera crew from uh, Ontario and everything. So that was yeah really nice experience. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. I've met him at the uh, bike shop at. Um, at the Woodlands uh, for Ironman Texas, and he came in and he was going to do an interview. I just talked to him for a minute, and that was really nice. He seemed like a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a really nice uh, guy. He's like uh,
2: yeah. super low key. He's...
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So super friendly and everything. Yeah. On uh, on Zwift, I guess uh, one of your major reasons for using it is was one of your reasons for using it the broken hand, or just because of the weather being colder up there and. Uh, yeah, I ride a lot on indoor because uh-huh. of the the weather.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cause I do some. sometime I do fat biking, but like for intervals, I prefer to do uh, on the trainer. Because my my coach gives me uh, specific uh, mm-hmm. intervals to do, and it's it's much. You you can't do the same thing uh, right when you ride uh, outside on a fat bike. Fat bike just mostly for my long rides and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. especially this year, I'm I'm doing a lot more uh, short uh, short training, but a lot more big intensity like. 30 seconds or up to one minute, but not much more than that. Oh wow! So I'm doing a lot more intensity uh-huh. because last year I was training mostly by by myself, and mm-hmm. I was doing lots of like uh, 20 or 30 minutes at uh, like race pace. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm feeling a lot more uh, improvement by doing uh, shorter intervals. Yeah. But as, as the season gets closer, now I do much a uh, bit more of uh, race pace stuff, so longer. Uh, Longer stuff, but most of the winter there was
1: a lot of intensity on the bike. Okay, so how how excited were you when you saw Zwift introduce that mountain?
2: Well, actually, I, I, uh, when you s- sent the tweet, I didn't know that you talk about the uh, the pro uh, if you use the the Swift or anything. I just saw that you were doing a uh, golfiston, so I oh just yeah, and okay. so you oh that's cool. I'm doing in a golfiston too, <laughs> but actually, uh Right now, i I just use a, a normal a normal trainer. I haven't used. Oh, let's Swift, talk about
1: uh, that then. Let's talk about how you're using the trainer. So, um, uh, with the with the short intervals, uh, how are you finding those better on the trainer than than outside?
2: Yeah, it's it's huge difference because when you do to do big intervals uh-huh. inside, uh-huh. you don't have to focus about the cars and the lights, and you can really push like almost like ten percent more watts than uh-huh. if you're inside cause you can when when you're done with your interval you can almost like collapse on your bike and nobody cares <laughs> but if you're on the road it's kind of kind of dangerous yeah so yeah it's a huge huge uh, thing to, to do even mm-hmm. even in the summer even someone like who lives in uh, florida that mm-hmm. can train all the time outside training on the trainer at least like once or twice a week to do just a specific training
1: yeah. it's a uh, huge you're going to have like a huge improvement yeah that's that's what i've noticed so um I went out today for an outdoor ride because it's really nice outside. And I think that if you do the trainer too much, let's say you go a month or two without riding outside, you're going to lose your bike. You're going to, you'll lose your bike handling skills. And for the average person, it wouldn't matter. But if you're a racer, then your bike handling skills are pretty critical. You know, you make, yeah, for sure. You make a a swipe. Um, I'm riding with a, with a Zip 808 on the front. And if I take a, I need to be able to handle that thing in the wind,
2: <laughs>
1: as I noticed Especially today. like yeah. when I was doing more ITU racing uh-huh. with the drafting. So most
2: of the winter, instead of just, I was doing both uh, like uh, rollers and trainers. Oh yeah, because the the rollers really help you to keep a straight line and mm-hmm. really helps you with the uh, handling abilities. So if like in the middle of the, the winter, you've trained all winter on the trainer and the in the roller, mm-hmm. if you go like in Mexico to do a race. At least you still feel a lot more confident and. If yeah. you pass all the winter just on the, the trainer, so mm-hmm. I, I, I like to uh, change change the type of trainers and type of training. And also, I, I feel like the fat bike also helps for my ability a yeah. lot because I usually go on uh, snowshoe trails. Yeah. So it's super narrow, lots of turns. Yeah. So uh, sometimes, even like I grab a tree with my hand while I'm riding just <laughs> to help me. So, yeah. Because personally, I'm not a uh, Lot, don't have a lot of skill, skills on the bike, mm-hmm. so for me, uh, just doing other types of riding outside helps me a lot. But yeah. when I talk about really like improving on the bike, uh, with just wattage, wattage
1: wise, mm-hmm.
2: trainer is huge, uh, huge thing for me.
1: Yeah. Do you, um, besides your fat bike, do you have a mountain bike, or you just you ride the fat the fat bike as your mountain bike?
2: Yeah, I used to have a mountain bike, but now like all the speeds don't work anymore, and my brake don't work, so I just use it. To, in Montreal, if I want to go like to the library or to a restaurant or something like that. yeah. So even like even in the fall, I'm going to use my fat bike because at least I have like just brakes so it works. Yeah. Just every year, so I just push more watts. So
1: yeah. at least it's just good training. It's like strength training. All right. Let's take a break from the interview and talk a moment about our big new sponsor, Salt Stick. All right. I love this stuff. Because I have been doing Salt Stick and a cousin of Salt Stick just taking uh, salt pills, which are hard to find, actually. Uh, You have to order them from the pharmacy, and then they show up, and then uh, they don't come in any kind of uh, dispenser or anything like that. have to put them in a Ziploc and then carry that around. It turns into a real mess, man. But Salt Stick has it covered because they are electrolyte capsules that you can uh, you can break them open if you want and then shake them into a bottle because they're just capsules. I've done that. And uh, you can take them as needed. It's really, really cool because sometimes you don't want salt. And sometimes you do need salt. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Water doesn't work without enough salt. It just doesn't. It's not sticky. So let me tell you about a cool study that scientists did on triathletes. They gave half of them salt stick caps and the other half sports drink like Gatorade. The athletes that took salt sticks finished a 70.3 race in an average of 26 minutes faster than the control group. 26 minutes. That's absolutely crazy. So you got to make your water stick with Salt Stick or else it doesn't work. That's my own tagline. I came up with it. They're going to have to run with that. All right. You can get 25% off your order of Salt Stick with discount code ZENTRY25. All caps. ZENTRY25. Say it. ZENTRY25. All right. And it can be used through the website shopsaltstick.com. Go check it out. 25% off. That is Good hashtag. Good, believe it. All right, let's get back to our interview. So, how how big are the tires on a, on your fat bike, and how many gears do you have, so people have an idea what a fat bike?
2: Yeah. So uh, I think that mine it's uh, the one I have is the wheels are pretty big. It's maybe like uh, lar- maybe the lar- larger than the size of my fist. Uh huh. And I'm almost at first when I received it, I thought I was gonna push my uh, the pressure like I do with a real normal mountain bike. Uh huh. But usually the pressure is only like two or between two and five psi, so it's really, oh my really gosh. Difficult. wow. So, but with that, like you can go on uh, on my lake. I can go in, like when there's like deep snow, mm-hmm. the lower you push, you put the pressure, and the larger your wheel is, yeah, it's almost like a snowshoe. The bigger the snowshoe is, you can go on like the deep, deeper snow. Yeah. So if you're gonna go in like you're gonna go in the road for just a training, I'm just gonna push my uh, tire uh, the pressure more, and I don't have a. Uh, I only have uh, gears on, on the back, not in the front. Right. Because you don't really... You're always on, on the, in trails that are super technical and super hard. So you don't need to put big gear. Yeah. And I think I have maybe 10 or 11 gears on the, on the back. So do you ever run out of gears or is, it's all good? It depends. Like If I, if I go on, on a super like, long downhill, maybe I'm going to run out of gear, but I'm just going to spin more. But usually when I'm like on a snowshoe trail, or yeah. running
1: trails, I never really uh, run out of gear. Um, see, like down here, where I live, it never snows. I mean, it snows a couple times a year at most, and it's just a dusting, is what we call it. So mountain biking is is um, our version of fat biking. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just went the other day with my son for an hour, and it was so much fun. And yeah, it really works on the bike handling skills and all that. And I used to ride rollers all the time. I loved it. I used to ride a fixie. As my training bike, I used to do 50 miles at a time on my fixie um, and ride rollers. And uh, I remember a friend uh, riding with me, and he said, your pe- your cadence and your pedal stroke is so smooth. <laughs> and it was from the rollers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think people, it's like a party trick to be able to ride rollers, and I really think people ought to give it a try if they can. But I've never heard of, like, your case um, – if you already have a trainer setting up, set up to actually use rollers as well to, to improve your bike handling, I never really thought of that.
2: Yeah, because especially like when I know I have a race that's coming soon, uh-huh. actually I have like two types of rollers. Uh-huh. One, that's if, one that doesn't move like laterally and mm-hmm. I can put intensity. So I can actually, I'm going to use my road bike on it and I can do like super hard training with it. Yeah. It's gonna be fine because I can adjust intensity. Uh, okay. But the other one that I have it moves like laterally, uh-huh. so it's easier to put the, to go on the uh, the bars, the tri bars. Uh huh. But like if you do big intervals, it's better just to do like an easy ride because if you do intervals, you're gonna spin and yeah, the, it's mostly just when you wanna spin. And like if I know I don't have gonna have much time to ride outside before my race, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get do one or two uh, training on the that roller just to get used to be on the, the tri-bars and to keep a straight line and yeah. maybe go up and stuff
1: like that. So what, what brand is the, is the rollers that move laterally? What what model is that?
2: Uh, that one is a Tux. Uh-huh. And the other one with the
1: intensity, I think it's a, I think it's a Power Top or something like mm-hmm. that. Well, yeah, because I had trouble. The reason I went to a regular trainer was because I, I had trouble staying in the aero bars on the bike. On the rollers because I was worried that I'd wreck uh, because so much weight over the front end even I can ride um I can ride no hand you know on a road bike I can ride no hand like one-legged I don't think I can do one-legged no I think that might be pushing it (laughs) 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 but um I didn't think it was even possible at all until I saw people playing they were playing like Nintendo tennis against each other while on rollers sitting up with no hands
2: yeah, when you have the roller that moves, uh-huh. it's super easy compared to the other type of roller. So it moves Actually, front and back, is what yeah. you're saying. So when you go, when you want to go up, and do an attack, uh-huh. you're just gonna move a little bit. Yeah. So it's super easier. Like with the other roller, I'm not able to usually uh, take out my end with uh-huh. my, but with this one, I can do like a ton of stuff when I when I ride. Oh, cool.
1: Huh. That's really interesting. All right. So what is your um? What is your plans for? Uh, Galveston.
2: Yeah, so Galveston is sort of my first race of the season. I did uh-huh. one in Guadeloupe, but uh-huh. it was, was just more of a prep race.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And uh, I I like to do at maybe uh, a top six in, uh, in Galveston. Oh wow, cool. So usually usually I'm a strong uh, swimmer, so I'm usually either like one or second on the swim. So my goal, but usually it then then it decreases. Like its swim is the, my uh, strongest, then it's bike, and then it's running. Mm-hmm. Right now, I feel like uh, from what I got from my race in Guadeloupe, my bike has really improved from last year. Yeah. And I'm happy with like the improvement I've done in the, on the cycling track with uh, Garneau and Afflamantis uh, regarding my uh, aero position. So I like to keep with the like, front pack on the on the bike. But my, my running is not going super well right now. I've dealt with like a shin splint injury from uh, the last few months. Yeah. But I'll be happy with like maybe sub 120. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll be super happy with under like four hours for uh, uh, the time overall. Because yeah. I know it's a, quite a fast uh, fast, time, uh, fast race over there.
1: Yeah. Especially the, the bike. All right. Let's take a break. I want to jump in here and talk about another sponsor of Zentri. Living Fuel. Living Fuel is awesome. Let me tell you about one of their products. Living Protein is the (laughs) bomb.com. It's a non-soy, vegetarian, yellow, pea, brown, rice, protein with added fiber, prebiotics, probiotics, perfect for your green smoothies that are likely missing a key macronutrient protein, exclamation point. They put that in there because they knew I would say it. They have it in, they call it tubs, but it's these canisters with a big screw top lid. I add it to uh, my workout fuel, my recovery fuel. It is so good. I had, uh, the green, uh, what do they call that green drink? I don't know. I just use it so much. I don't even look at the label anymore. The stuff is so good. I just, I keep it at work. Uh, I have a healthy fridge at work, a little micro fridge, a mini fridge, a dorm fridge. And, uh, I keep, uh, Carrots and apples and stuff like that around there and uh, healthy sprouted wheat bread, sprouted grains bread, and then also uh, living fuel stuff. I love it, man. I also did a long workout last weekend where I put a living fuel uh, amino acid mix in with my uh, carbs Uh, to give a little bit of protein mix to it, and um, man, it was really, really good. It worked out great. I had a great workout. So go check out livingfuel.com. They have a huge variety of different stuff. Almost all of it has some kind of fiber or healthy something uh, as the major ingredient, if not the entire ingredient, so you will definitely have a lot of choice in there going and checking them out, and they are a big supporter of Zentri. They approached us on the show, which I'm a big fan of. They listen. They support us. Help them out. All right, go check out livingfuel.com. It's fast. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, have you ever raced there before? And uh, No never, ever, yeah. Um, if it's a normal day, it's pretty windy and it's an out and back. So, um, But it's hard to tell you which way the wind will come from because if a front's coming through, it's coming from the north. And if it's a normal day, it's coming from the south. And um, one year I did that race and a front came through, um, a weather front came through. At the turnaround on the bike. So on the way out, we had a tailwind. And at the turnaround on the bike, oh. like a minute from the turnaround on the bike, the wind changed direction 180 degrees and had a tailwind on the way back, which was awesome. But you could have just as bad luck and have it in your face the entire time, you know, yeah. which would be really, that was one in a million. But the um, the crosswinds or headwind can actually be really strong. Um, the coast of Texas is the windiest uh Corpus Christi for example which is south of here is uh the windiest city in the United States. Um besides that's in mainland United States. So okay. you'd have to go to Hawaii to um get something windier. So um people are surprised sometimes they think it's going to be a uh a, a uh fast easy course and it generally is, but you can get the whole wind situation, you know. Yeah. But most
2: people use uh, this wheel on this race?
1: Yeah. Use a disc wheel. Um, it's just the front that you kind of yeah. have to watch out for. Um, I'm on the fence about whether to use my old uh, 404 or my 808, and I think I'll bring both. And then if the um, if it's if it's going to be pretty windy, I'll probably use the old 404 because that thing handles well. But um, there's a bridge. It doesn't go up very high. It Maybe goes up uh, three stories. You know, not not anything really high at all. Over a really long stretch, maybe two stories. But it's over the river channel. And that is where you're gonna get your most wind, and it's a little scary because um, the guard railing's big enough, and I, I don't think you'll worry about being completely blown off the bridge. But the um, the uh, the bridge itself is a little old, and there's some potholes and some uh, seams in the pavement that that if it's a windy if it's a really windy day, it makes you a little nervous. You know, okay, yeah. I have a friend that says he's not riding a deep dish front wheel on that thing ever again because of that that bridge. And I remember having trouble with it, and I was riding a disc rear wheel, but my front wheel was only that 404. Um, so I was like, oh, this is a little tough. And then I was, but it didn't bother me that bad. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the run is um, really interesting. It's got a lot of 90 degree turns and 180 degree turns, it looks like. Um, oh, there's some pros the uh, in previous years that took a wrong turn. because You know how it is, if you're at the front of a race, the the spectators and the race staff really isn't expecting you yet yeah yeah <laughs> and they just kind of look at you with this dumb look on their face as as you run by going which way do I go you know because to them it's obvious which way you go but you don't know which way to go so yeah. um somebody went the wrong way or a couple people went the wrong way down a street for a little um oh. either last year or the year before and good racers too it was like um uh, i can't remember but anyway so you got to kind of watch out for that a little so So tell me about your bike. You got a you got a Louis Garneau. Uh, what?
2: A Genix uh, TR1. Uh I just got
1: it like uh, recently, like one week before
2: my uh, my race in Guadeloupe. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. I love that bike, man. What what color did you get? Uh, Right now it's the it's a a blue and green uh, like uh, super flash. Mm -hmm. But we might change the color because our main sponsor is a dark uh, dark green. Yeah. Because I'm part of a team of six. Uh, Pro Trattis from uh, Quebec. Yeah. So yeah, now before the team, uh, they all had the same bike that that's the color that I have, the blue and the the green. Uh-huh. So we might change it to a dark uh, dark uh, green and uh, and dark. So, but I really like uh,
1: the handling of
2: the bike and.
1: Yeah. How do they change the color? You just give it over to them, and they the factory's right there, and they can just paint it or something, or.
2: Yeah, it's called like the the Dream Factory. Yeah. And. Uh, Yeah, I just need to send it uh, there and they're going to ship it back to me. But the problem is that I have so many races. Like, usually I have races like one month uh, between each. So, Mm -hmm. it's going to be maybe hard to to find a time uh, when there's enough time between uh, races. Well, they'll have to give you two bikes. So, you can carry on (laughs) one. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, what do you like most about that bike? I really like it. uh, How it it goes on the climb. Oh, yeah. It's it's super rigid. Uh Uh-huh. So when you go up, it goes super well, yeah, and it's a lot more arrow than what I had before at mm-hmm. the the p tree, yeah, and my fit fit wasn't right also, oh yeah, that's right, so thing. right now, I'm super happy with like uh, all the time we we spent on the track, like looking at every tiny details, yeah, it wasn't like a bike geek before, mm-hmm. like I didn't know what it was like a CDA and stuff like that, yeah, but now I'm like, oh. If I change that little thing on my bike, I'm going to like save a 0.1. So like, yeah, it's almost as,
1: you know, from swimming, right? Like the, the main thing in swimming is to the, the drag. Yeah. And by the time you're doing 25 miles an hour through the wind, the drag is pretty significant on the bike, you know? So little things add up. I was talking to a guy the other day about the brake levers on this one bike that kind of point down instead of back. On an aero bike, and he said it's really that big of a deal. And I said that is a huge deal, man. That is out on the front of the bike to have brake levers kind of pointed down a little bit is unnecessary. And you're paying all this money to have a an aero bike, and then you have um, these levers right on the front, like pointed down, totally like drag. Yeah, it it's probably like adds three, a couple minutes. Three watts, uh, Yeah, and
2: you can save them.
1: Yeah. So um, let's see, how how long before the race do you show up?
2: I only arrive on the Thursday before the race, oh, yeah. so it's not ideal. Yeah, but like I'm still in university, so with school and exam, that's the best we could do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna try to acclim- acclimatize as much as I can here. Like I do bike uh, training uh, inside and don't put my uh, the the fan. And sometimes oh. I'm gonna put clothes on when I do a treadmill session just to get acclimatized as much as I can.
0: Yeah,
2: but. Uh, Ideally, I would have arrived like maybe one week before or ten days before, but yeah, I do uh, what I can. Do You have like to
1: like hose down the room to get rid of all that sweat in there.
2: Yeah, I have like uh, at least three or four towels for every bike session because like I'm sweat sweat so much.
1: Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Well, wow, okay. And then what's your? Um, oh, I love asking this one. What's your uh, bike setup like? What wheels do you, are you gonna use? Oh, you already saw, You already said what brand? What what brand was it again?
2: Right now for the wheel, I'm still not sure. I'm trying to contact like a, a wheel company
1: oh. to see. Yeah.
2: Because last year, sometimes I uh, ask my friend who has a 808 on the back mm-hmm. and I have an eastern, I put, I think it's a 70 millimeter on the front. Mm-hmm. So that's what I use for uh, Las Vegas last year and it's uh, also super oily, uh, w- mm-hmm. uh, windy. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like a, a small uh, width on the, the front. Yeah. So that's probably what I'm going to get. Or because I'm, Still trying to see if I'm going to ride an 808 on the back or a disc wheel. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll bring both and find out, find out like before the race.
1: Yeah. I've got one of those wheel covers. It only costs 70 or 80 bucks. And it's a plastic wheel cover made yeah, by yeah. a wheel builder. And um, so if it's too windy, yeah, I can just switch to an 808 instead of a disc. Yeah, that's really smart. Especially yeah. when you travel to do races. and. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. If I ever make it to Kona someday, that's that's the wheel i'm going to ride on and they don't allow um discs and i'm like well that <laughs> okay it's not a disc anymore uh, um what about what uh do you have a power meter
2: uh, yeah i've the KO power i'm i'm uh-huh. with uh, polar this year okay but i just received it i haven't uh, tried uh, yet
1: so have you been training with power before or this is it
2: yeah on my uh, last year i had the uh, the rotor uh, mm-hmm. had the oval disc yeah and but most of the ra- uh, races I did, it didn't really work with like didn't connect much with my Garmin. Yeah. So I was kind of I'm used to tr- uh, to race without power. So, but it's always good after to know at least my power, so I can give it to my coach and we we know what we can improve on and you uh, have right. a better idea. So yeah. usually on the race I don't look at it that much. It's mostly after mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, to see uh, what I can improve on and uh, if I need to improve that part of uh, my biking or something like that.
1: Yeah, people can become slave to the the numbers and their miles per hour, heart rate, and all that stuff. And then in a race, they could go faster even. um, But they're like, oh, I don't want to go over this. Because in training... especially
2: like when you you race pro and you're like in the front pack in the swim and the bike, Mm -hmm. I feel like you just need to keep your 12 meters and almost like don't care about your wattage. Like at least unless you're like you're in a you're out the front alone. Mm-hmm. Now it's important to look at your wattage or if you're far in the back and you're yeah. trying to reach your, the front pack, at least you, you still got to know, like, don't push that much for the first, like, 30 minutes yeah. until you reach the front pack. But, like, if you're already in the pack, you just, just got to stay. It's like in ITU. Like, you're not, if you do, like, ITU racing with drafting, yeah. you're not going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to follow that pack because I'm <laughs> uh, 20 watts uh, over my yeah. uh, FTP or, yeah. you know.
1: I think, yeah, you guys are all so good. You're, you all have really high power numbers. So you don't really need to watch it since you all stay with it.
2: It's also it depends, like, if you're more like a swim biker or more a runner. Uh
0: huh.
2: For me, I'm definitely more a swim biker than a runner. Mm-hmm. So I can push all your watts and I'll just try to survive on the run. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. But like for someone who's more a runner and he knows that if he push like 10 watts over what he needs to be, yeah. His run's gonna be like uh, five minutes higher than what he can do, so it depends of of people, you know. Yeah. But I, a real biker is gonna just go with the pack and
1: try to attack without really looking that much uh, on his wattage. Yeah. Do Do you feel the um, the fat bike it has so much resistance to it? Like you were saying, it's kind of like resistance training or weightlifting. Yeah. Do you feel like riding the fat bike really improved your cycling? Yeah, for sure. Like yeah.
2: I've, I've, I saw the difference between last year and this year, uh-huh. and this year uh, I added the fat bike riding, mm-hmm. and also added more also short intensity on the trainer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I felt like huge difference on on the bike because you know sometimes sometimes you're like on a on a lake and it's like two feet deep of snow. You just go like four four kilometers per hour. Yeah. Like maybe three miles, but you push like six hundred watts just just mm-hmm. slowly grinding and like at slow a slow uh, rpm right so that's
1: like super super good training for the bike all right i want to jump in one last time and give a shout out to amrita bars long time sponsor of Try. great stuff i wonder how many i've had today at least one i think i had one uh today after my swim oh man apple cinnamon it's so good they have so many different flavors they have a recovery bar a maca chocolate oh my god it's the best You know, what? one thing I really love about Emerita Bars is the wrapper is like, uh, it's kind of like a cliff bar or a lower bar where you can kind of easily open one end of it. And then you can take a bite. You can eat like a third of it, just a bite, and then um, fold the wrapper back over the uh, bar and then put it back in the leg of your cycling shorts and then keep on pedaling. It really works and then uh, you chew that bite and that'll last you you know for a while for like uh, 20 30 40 minutes and then uh, you pull the the wrapper out of the top of your cycling shorts again you know down by your knee you pull it out work the bar I'm doing this with my hand can you hear that work the bar forward a little bit take another bite wrap it back up put it all into your uh, leg again and uh, then you have whole bars still in the wrapper behind your back and just pull them out of your cycling jersey and um, they're easy to chew they're not like this dry powdery stuff where you take a bite and then when you breathe in the dust from uh, dry powdery stuff plus um, the wind coming in your face while you're running or biking all of a sudden you start choking on you Ah, my god i think i'm dying what happened oh i wish i had an amrita bar instead of this oh my god see don't do that don't choke on stuff while exercising chew on amrita bar don't don't choke, chew Amrita bars. That's my new tagline. They're going to have to run with that. Okay. (laughs) They also have a club. It is called the Amrita Club, of course. AmritaHealthFoods.com slash product slash Amrita Club. Go check them out. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And also the discount code for Zentry is, I don't know, is it 20% off? Is it 10% off? You're going to have to go and find out. It could be It could be 100% off. You don't know, but it's not. But anyway, the discount code is zen 2016 Go to AmritaBars.com, AmritaHealthFoods.com actually, and go check them out and check out all the pictures and all the cool kit and all the great socks and jerseys and neat stuff they have. I love it. You should love it too. All right, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, what I noticed on Zwift when they they added this mountain, right? This mountain takes... 35, 45, 55 minutes, depending on who you are and how much you weigh and stuff to climb up this thing. Well, the game is, is uh, realistic where the, um, the steeper the grade that you're trying to climb, it slows you down. And you yeah. have to actually go harder to go fat. And so there's an optical, it's not an illusion, it's a fact. You're slowing down, so you're used to going a certain speed because you're paddling. You're used to doing you know whatever, you're used to the scenery going by a certain rate. And then, when it doesn't, you try harder, right yeah. and um so I've noticed that on because of all the indoor training and then because of the video game slows down when you go up um and see, I live I don't know about uh where you are, but uh it's relatively flat here, so it's it's nice, it's just you know gentle rolling yeah. hills, but there's no hill here that takes more than three four minutes to climb up, right. And so, but on this, on the trainer, I can do hills that are, you know, 10% grade and 10, 15, 20 minutes long.
2: Yeah.
1: And you, it slows you down to a crawl. And it's kind of like what you're saying with the, um, with the fat bite, right? Where like you can't, (laughs) you worry, you're going to fall over if you don't really push it hard. Uh, so you end up pushing it hard. And then I look at my, my uh, metrics when I get done with the workout and I'm like, wow, I really went harder on this workout than I'm used to doing because of the effect of the extra resistance.
2: Yeah. It's like doing like a set-up squat in the, in the gym.
1: Yeah. Like you
2: get the like almost same benefits, Yeah. You know? Well, tell me about your swimming background. How did you get to be a fast swimmer? Well, actually before I did the uh, triathlon, I was a cross-country skier, mm-hmm. but like when I was younger, I did like all the of sport. I was doing soccer, basketball, like karate, mm-hmm. but I was also swimming uh, in high school. But like not at that, that much high level. I wasn't like a swimmer who like swims twice a uh, twice a day, like for four hours every day. Right. I was just doing swimming for fun because I was also doing other sports as well. Uh huh. And my main focus was uh, cross country skiing. I was like maybe at the national level. Like I was competing in national races. I wasn't wasn't in the national team. Right. But one one uh one year like in the summer because. We do most of our training in the uh, the summer by doing biking. Mm-hmm. In the fall it's mostly uh, running. Right. And since we live like close to a lake, I knew how to swim and everything. So I did a uh, a triathlon just for fun and the in the summer just to get fit for the upcoming uh, cross country skiing. And I really like it. So for like maybe 2 years I was doing a uh, triathlon in the summer and cross country skiing uh, in the winter. But after a while I had to like decide cuz I was doing more intense training in ITU uh, triathlon so I decided to do uh, triathlon instead of cross-country skiing and I because I just like the the fact that you, can, you do three sports and also the cross-country skiing is so the season is so uh, short because the right. winter is so short you need to if not you need to go like uh, train like up north like and Uh-oh. go in like helicopter and stuff like that That's oh. <laughs> like when you're like at the super high level yeah and uh, yeah so I think like my cross-country skiing helps a lot because it's huge for the VO2 max uh-huh. and like endurance and also it, it's a good training also for swimming but I've never been like a, a real uh, swimmer like mm-hmm. most people always assume that I'm a, I was a swimmer before because mm-hmm. swimming is my strength but uh, that's not really the case it's just I, I just like I really like swimming which mm-hmm. is usually not the case with m- most athletes, yeah. like I like how to, when you feel when you have the, the per, like, the right uh, traction and the right flow when you swim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, like, at first it took me a while to, to figure out, like, the right technique. Right. And uh, I had to work a lot. So it took me a while just before to get, become, like, a good swimmer in the pool. Right. But then in I two racing, I, w- I was, was, wasn't swimming good in uh, open water swimming because it's completely different. Yeah, even the the technique uh, is different. Like you, you do shorter stroke, and you have to rotate more your arm, and it's mm-hmm. more strength. Right. Uh, also swimming, almost like when you swim with paddles. Yeah. So it took me a while to figure out uh, how to swim open in open water swimming. Yeah. But then I really like it now, like especially when it's uh, open water swimming in the sea, and when there's lots of wave. That's like what I prefer the most.
1: Oh wow, cool. Yeah, sounds like you really have a knack for. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like it, but like. Maybe if I was a I was a swimmer before I would swim like uh, 14 times a week maybe I wouldn't like uh, swimming that much right now.
0: <laughs>
1: and, yeah, it's nice. Um all the sports are nice when you don't do them too much. Uh when yeah. you just kind of dabble in it and it's really neat and then you get out of it. I think a really great way to hate a sport is to do just that sport um you know for years and years and years.
2: So, yeah, or also you can have uh like uh, Do a lot of stuff in your own sport. Mm -hmm. Like If you're maybe like a a high-level cyclist, you can do the track cycling competition and also compete uh, on the road. Mm Or
1: maybe do like cyclocross racing. Yeah. It looks like
2: super cool and uh, mountain
1: biking too, yeah. Yeah, at least with biking, there's like different kinds, you know. Yeah. Well, running too, you know, there's trail country running. country season
2: and the track season, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's trail running and road running, short
2: stuff and long stuff. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of trail running. I do like most of my runs on the trail. Uh huh. But like, I still need to do when I have uh, intervals to do, I need to go on the, the road. But I, when I have like easy run to do, I always like to go on the trail. Time goes so, go past, uh, go past so fast mm-hmm. and just so,
1: so nice. Do you have trails? Do you have trails that are um, easy to run fast on? Because the trails around where I live, if I try to run fast, I'll trip and crash into something.
2: Yeah. They're they're not that uh, fast, Uh but I need to, but I run like there like so much often. Oh, you know it really. Like where are the rocks and uh, where are the branches, so else, but like I couldn't do like a tempo run on it. But I can do like a fast, uh, long run and it's going to be okay and it's so much softer for the, the shins and the... Also, your just for the muscles, like for the recovery, uh-huh. like when you do a long run on the gravels or on the grass mm-hmm. or in the trails, compared to when you do a, on the highway, well, on the asphalt, like right. on the road. Yeah, that's like the difference is huge, especially when you start to increase increase your uh, kilometers every week.
1: so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've tripped and broken a rib trail running. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I've tripped and broken my arm just street running though, just the, a couple of months ago. That's been difficult, so it's really messed up my swimming. Like you, I'm a I'm a swimmer. Okay, yeah. For better than out of all the three sports, I'm a swimmer. And um, be, with my um, broken arm, it's really messed up my swim stroke. I can't straighten out my arm all the way. It's really weird. And just the rib, like once I, I fell on the bike and uh-huh. I didn't break
2: my rib, but rib, but I just like hurt it. Uh-huh. And just to breathe when you swim and yeah, even when you laugh. Like yeah. The rib hurts so much.
1: Yeah, yeah they, it's, I think that's uh, separating your ribs. The, the, um, the cartilage that holds your ribs yeah. together, the webbing, gets torn. And they say it's, it's like impossible to tell if you broke a rib or, or separated it because the, um, it just hurts the same and there's no fix for it. You know? so, yeah, so
2: it doesn't matter if you do like a MRI or something. Yeah, like as long as it's not puncturing your
1: lung and you would know that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, cool, man. It's been great having you on. And uh, I look forward to you uh, getting there towards the top at Galveston. And yeah, good luck you
2: too. We'll see you uh, yeah. out there.
1: And um, how do people uh, get in touch with you and follow you and say hi to you at the race?
2: Yeah, so like Facebook and Inst- Instagram and Twitter, it's all uh, Antoine J D Try T R I. So yeah, I'm also mostly into uh, Instagram. I like to post like lots of pictures and oh cool what I'm out uh, riding and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I used to think Instagram was just kind of meh, and then um, it's nice to wake up in the morning and go through it and see everybody's training pictures yeah. and where they're running and beautiful stuff. It's it's really pretty. So yeah. yeah, cool. I'm glad you do that. That's really nice. All right, man. Well, let's keep cool, in touch. It was nice uh, talking to you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thanks. All yeah. right, man. How was that? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, cool. Awesome, dude. Well, um, if you need any help at the race, let me know. You found me. So yeah, cool.
2: So done- where do you live in Texas?
1: Uh, college Station is a college town that's like halfway between Houston and Austin. Okay. And um, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's like prairie and, and uh, uh, it's hot as heck in the summer, man. It's yeah. unbelievable. But um, the winters are pretty mild and uh, relatively skin compared to yours. And then the... Uh, um, I've done Galveston like five times or something like that. So if you need... Uh, any, how far is it
2: from uh, your house to Galveston?
1: Uh, two, two and a half hours. Okay. Yeah, we got to drive through Houston to get there, and that slows you down a bunch. And uh, what airport are you flying into?
2: Uh, Houston, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, there's two. Do you know which one? Which airport?
2: Uh, international one.
1: Okay. So that, if it's Bush International, it's on the north side of Houston, so you got to allow time to drive through Houston. If it's Hobby, there's that airport's on the south side of Houston. It's a smaller airport, um, but uh, then it's a real quick jump over to Galveston. For okay. So, just plan for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Anything else?
2: No, that's good, yeah. All right, dude. So, uh, See you out there, yeah.
1: I'll see you there. Hey, how tall are you? I'm a 5'10". 5'10", okay. I want to know if I'm looking for a like a... Yeah, yeah, You're skinny, so you could be, you know, 6'6", or something like that. So, I don't know. Well,
2: just put the, the green bike, and mm-hmm. it's going to be easy to find you. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, the green Lugano. All right, man. I'll see you there. Perfect. See you. Later. Bye. All right, thank you very much, Antoine. And, man, we are in the training cave upstairs in our house. I'm here with uh, a couple of bikes and the bike trainers and Zwift and uh, treadmill and fans and all kinds of good stuff. With a little view outside, looks pretty nice outside, it's warming up. And we have uh, Galveston coming up uh, next weekend this weekend, just in a few days, and I'm going to start, uh, putting things together. I've started putting lists together so I don't forget anything. And also, um, eyeballing my new Trek speed concept. I'm getting the 7.5, which is the kind of middle, middle to lower range, uh, model. They make a seven or something like that. The 7.5 and, um, that's coming into the bike shop pretty soon, not before this race. And, uh, this will probably be my last race on the BMC. So, and uh, we'll put that up for sale probably pretty soon or keep it as a trainer, a trainer bike, or I don't know. We'll do something with it like that. It's on a port right now. What is important is that we give a shout out to donations and uh people that have sent in emails and questions if uh you want to donate to zen and yard of triathlon you can go to zentriathlon.com zentriathlon.com and on the left hand side is a donation link and on the right side is a place to buy hornet juice and either way you are helping out Zen zentri big time uh the the donation like it's just PayPal. You can do recurring, you can do one time and, um, the Hornet juice, something crazy's happened. Um, the factory uh, has had a issue where they, uh, they can't get out anything more than a 20 pack for the next, uh, month. And, uh, so we're down to 10 and 20 packs. And so it's a limited time. Um, people are, uh, ordering all those up so if you see on the if you click the hornet juice link and you go through and and it's down to 10s and 20s then that's what happened uh we'll uh in a month we'll have uh the 30 40 50 60 stuff like that on there but hornet juice is awesome it's amino acid where um it turns on your fat burning which is a real thing it really freaking works it works so well that I get emails from people all the time. I'll read some of them. I think if I've got one or two in here for this, this uh, show about hornet juice, people go crazy over it. Uh, you mix it in with your, car- with your carbs, and it turns on your fat burning, so you just have way more energy. It's really cool. And um, a little bit uh, that you send towards hornet juice uh, goes to the show. So that way you donate to the show, and you get something out of it at the same time, something fun. It comes from New Zealand, so you get the, the package with um, all the cool New Zealand stamps. They do a lot of whales in New Zealand. Can't imagine why. And it's uh, cool stuff. So let's go ahead and read off the donations. Patrick Martin went over to Zintrathlon.com and he wrote this. Greetings from Germany. Oh, he said, hi, Brett. Greetings from Germany. Just wanted to thank you for all the great podcasts you're doing. And, in all caps, thank you for bringing hornet juice, in all caps, into my training. This stuff is awesome, comma, dude, with, uh, looks like six exclamation points. And he wrote, because you like them. Yes, if you put interesting punctuation in your, um, in your emails, then I read the punctuation, because otherwise people don't know. They don't know that you put six exclamation points. They may think you just put one. Um... Uh, just like you said, oh, wait, no, that was from last week, man. Let's go. I was reading an email from last week. I keep show notes for your episode. Wait, Matt Crehan. I thought those exclamation points looked suspicious. From Australia. He said, hi, Brett. Uh, wait, from Australia. Let me get that. uh Let us see. How do I do it? I listened to the audio book that Mac, uh, Chris McCormick put out. Taurine, it's good for your heart. All right. Hi, Brett. Recently came across your show and have been really enjoying it. Keen out to try, keen to try out this Hornet juice too. Very intriguing. I'm reasonably new to the world of triathlon. Did my first seventy point three in February. I know I'm not doing that right, and I'm looking towards a full Ironman next year. Pretty bummed that the Melbourne which is where I live. Ironman has been discontinued. Yeah, that sucks, man. So I'm looking to travel to get a new one. Oh, I was thinking about Ironman New Zealand next March. Although I hear the bike course is a bit tough. Man, I can't do the accident anymore. I'm losing it. Uh, not so much because of any big climbs, just uh, constantly undulating. Whoa, that's a big word for Australians. Just kidding. Uh, and a rough road sur- surface. service surface. Uh, All words are big for Texans. Uh, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on the course or if you had any experience with it. Keep up the good work. Hmm. So this is the email asking the Ironman New Zealand bike course is, um, yeah, the pavement's really rough. I've heard that. I heard it's pretty. Um, And it can be like pretty wild weather. So I don't know. But man, if I'd go to New Zealand and then while you're there, check out some of the scenery. I've heard it's just awesome there. All right. So cheers, Matt. And uh, let's see. Yeah. The thing is, is uh, if you want to do an Ironman brand, Ironman, uh, there's a lot of places in the world where you're pretty limited. Um, I only have one near me, Ironman Texas, and they insist on putting it on when it's hotter than hell around here. And it just sucks. Um, instead of, uh, during cooler weather, I've heard next year, they may, um, they may bring the, uh, the date further towards winter. So it's, um, not as hot, but we'll see what actually happens. They're having lots of trouble right now with the bike course, uh, getting permits and all that stuff. Uh, it's big debated hot topic right now. Okay. Jessica Woodruff who I forgot the J when I typed it in. So it's Essica Woodruff. Peter Salzen. What's up, dude? I coach him. He is kicking ass. Uh, Joseph Deeber unlike Justin Bieber. Supercat. Supercat is rad. She's on Instagram, and she posts cool stuff. Hi, exclamation point. Sweet, exclamation point. Thank you, exclamation point. Starting PT tomorrow for a tear in my calf. Oh, no. PT is physical therapy. Uh, but... If you're in the Marine Corps, PT is um, is uh, physical training. Uh, but should be good to go for Alcatraz. Yeah, you got a little while to Alcatraz, I hope. Um, cool, you're doing Alcatraz. You're nuts. I've done it. It's crazy. Uh, please keep up the great work. You're very motivating, period. Not an exclamation point. Uh, sincerely, Kristen Castrion Castrinos. So thanks. Uh, yeah, Kristen, I follow you on... Um, on Instagram and uh, I think I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on Twitter and you're on my short list of people to follow because you post cool stuff. So thank you. Uh, Dwayne Morin sending in a donation. Joseph Rogalski, How's it going, dude? And Daniel Stark and Houston Marsh. Uh, Ken Soderquist. What is up? James Von Hippel. Sounds Dutch. Maybe it isn't. Aaron sent in an email. Oh, this is a good one. Let's see. Thanks, Brett! Excited to give the Hornet juice a try. Thanks for the podcast and your crazy, upbeat outlook on life. I've been out of the sport for four years and just now jumping back in. I listen to your show every day to and from work. It always gets me motivated to get my ass out there in the train. Thanks for doing what you do! Cheers, Aaron. All right. Yeah, um, I would love to go around and give talks to people. I guess this is my podcast, about do not stop exercising. Uh, There's a million reasons why you can convince yourself to stop exercising. You live in in a new town, uh, you got a new kid, baby, whatever. No, that's the time when you got to make sure you keep exercising so you don't ever stop because it's when you stop that uh, it's so hard to get back into it. So if you just never stop, then uh, you can tone it down a little bit, but just don't ever stop. Okay, uh, Matthew Frois, Allison Frutos, M. Webb. I already got James Von Hippel in there. Richard Tragut something. I, I cannot say that name correctly. Kypros in the UK. All right. Thanks, Brett. Sorry I took so long to put my first order in. I've been a fan for many years. And now I want to see how Hornet Juice works for me. Looking for a top three age grouper this year in Great Britain. Brition. Great. <laughs> in Great Britain, I am, I am. Uh, GB Nationals, let's just say that. And finish the year off in World Champs in Florida in October. The hunt for the Red October. Uh, I'll let you know how I get on. Kind regards. Kaipros Harrison. Y'all don't know this, but I can do a wicked good um, Scrappy, not Scrappy, um, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. I should do one sometime as a as a show. Oh, I lost my people. Where'd they go? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Erica Dennison, Spiros Fetsis up in Libertyville, Illinois, Tyler Moyer, and Andrew. He wrote in, excellent! Exclamation point. Excellent. I tried very hard to avoid being that person who ordered 10 and then comes back for 30 scoops. But hey, it's that good. Good? The season is almost upon us. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, and I realize that I have no Hornet juice no! Three exclamation points! Thanks, and keep up the awesome work with the podcast. And now about setting up a Strava club for the Zen Tribe, Andy. Oh, I gotta mention that. And dude, you know, even though I'm a I'm a Hornet juice uh, dealer, I guess I deal the drug. Um, I don't get a special deal on it. I get I have to order it too, and then I get it. And I ordered some for me because it works. I use it. So if that doesn't convince you, I don't know what else can. And, and I got a race coming up and I'm waiting for mine to show up. (laughs) I don't think I ordered it soon enough because it does come all the way from New Zealand. So it takes like 10 days to uh, get there, which is so cool though. When it shows up, you get so excited. Um, and this is in the Strava club. Okay. So, and that's the last of our donation emails, uh, Strava club, we have uh the Zentri Ninjas on Strava. So you can uh go to Strava and Google search whatever for the Zentri ninjas. We got a Strava Club. Last time I checked, we had like thirty-five people in there, uh that signed up in like three days. It was freaking nuts. And I started yelling at people to train more, and quit being wussies, and some of them liked it. One guy was like, What? And I was like, Dude, you better get on it. You better believe. And uh Also, so that's really cool. So go join that. I check in on it every once in a while, although I haven't uh, today. But um, it's fun. We can form a a Strava Club. And then, uh, lastly, before we get into the training log, I uh, have started working on a Patreon account because um, I forgot exactly... Oh, the main reason, but you know, usually it takes like two, three things, four things to coincide before you uh, decide it's worth it to um, make a move. And there's something where I've got a huge—I've gotten emails, so I've got—I've got a, I've emails requesting something, and that means I've got demand. And the thing that they're requesting is the old shows. iTunes only shows the last two years, and I've got. I might be missing a, a couple few years, but in general, I've got hundreds and hundreds of uh, back catalog shows, um, especially from some really crazy years where, one in one year, I ran the Rocky Raccoon 100 mile trail run race and then I qualified for Alcatraz and then I swam Alcatraz and then I swam across Lake Tahoe all in one year. And it's all, that's a 22 mile swim. That's all like all these episodes going along. And so that's the first year that I went and gathered up all the shows and I've been trying to figure out how to, how to do this because the files are really big. And um, also we have Patreon, uh, well, with Patreon, has a way to crowdfund, it's kind of like Kickstarter. You can crowdfund projects that the, um, they don't really want to call a Patreon uh, promoter or user. Um, I mean, you could be an artist, but I'm a, um, I'm a creator or something like that and so I create all these shows and um, but being a creator costs uh, money and and takes time and stuff like that so if you're a fan of something like Zentry, then you can uh, it provides a really easy way for people to support it so uh, I've been wanting to do something for a long time and now with uberman coming up so Uberman is this um, <laughs> uber triathlon that even though i have i've done a self-supported ultraman this this uberman is a little much because i got to find crew and it's going to cost money so i'm like oh this is a project and um so in october it's swimming 21 miles across the catalina channel open ocean with sharks uh so that's all day and then uh it should be just over half a day but you know, that's the daylight hours and then you're going in the night. And then biking four hundred miles across California to Death Valley and then uh running the Badwater one thirty five up to Mount Whitney from the bottom of Death Valley. And that's a hundred and thirty five mile run. At least it's not trails, but it's up it goes Ah, oh, would I just knock over Oh, that's okay. It's uh this thing's gonna be brutal, right? So I'm like, oh, I could do um a crowd, crowd-funded kind of Kickstarter thing through Patreon. And Patreon allows um, you to set up a membership, right, to uh, support stuff. And I'm like, okay, after all these years of shows, I've got this huge back catalog of products, uh, well, products, I don't know, but of shows, uh, of stuff, and once you uh, set up a donation, then you can um, – you, there can be like a, a monthly membership and then you can set up things that you can uh you want to support the Uberman the Zen try Uberman effort then um if you donate 5 bucks you get this if you donate 20 bucks you get that like a t-shirt you know and um, it's just a way for you to get something back for showing support and um and then four things to uh to get together and uh yeah we're gonna need gear and stuff like that so i'm like oh cool so with the shows and then the projects like big races uh that we're doing that i'm doing through zentri then um i was like okay this is it and yeah there was something else maybe i came across some of my old shows and i was like oh here they are Everything's just falling in my lap so what i've done is i've started uploading shows to patreon um 2011 and 2012 and pretty i gotta make the front page kind of nice and set up the uh, membership thing and then what i'd like to do is if you're already a recurring donor to zentri you can just move your donor your uh your uh your donations uh your uh support over to that and then um over to over to um, from paypal over to uh, zentri and then um but you'll get something really cool you'll get free access to all the old episodes and there's interviews with luke mckenzie jesse thomas uh angela nath uh, when she won her very first uh i think when she won her very first iron man or she won her very first uh, half iron man i got that interview with her oh my gosh it's so good and, uh, yeah, just stuff as we do crazy stuff. So I'm really excited about the Patreon thing. And, um, it basically what it does is it provides a membership area kind of like, I don't know what to call a paywall, but, but then behind it, I can put stuff just for people that are members and we can do oh the other thing, not just uh, early, uh, interviews where I can post them early. And if you member you get to hear them early because that's cool. But dude, there's so many outtakes that I edit out of podcasts because I'm like, uh eh, it's not really for everybody. But man, if you're a super fan, <laughs> you love this stuff. This is exactly what you want. So, um uh dude, when I when I get on the phone and off the phone with a Skype interview, it is some really funny conversations sometimes. Uh and then they're like, "Oh, let's let's take this out of the show." And I'm like, "Well, okay, you know, but man, so many people would love to hear the behind the scenes, uh, that's going on at, um, at this stuff. So like, uh, when we do Galveston this weekend, I'm going to record some extra audio and then we'll put it in the membership area on Patreon. So, uh, I haven't finished it yet by next episode. It should be, um, we should have something up there worth, I want to make it nice enough so that it's worth it for people, um, before I officially release it. But anyway, that's what's coming. Okay. Sorry about the long rant about that, but I'm, trying to sell it. And I think that's it. Let's go ahead and get started into the uh, podcast, uh, the training log part where I take you with me on all my training escapades. And I talk about what I've been doing and how I do it and tips uh, that are kind of generalized so that other people can do it and have a lot of fun. Uh, And this one for sure off the top of my head, I talk a lot, maybe about the Zip 808 wheel and then um also uh how to swim with a training parachute a swim parachute um that you drag behind you and since i recorded that stuff that you're about to hear i've been using it two or three more times and i've gotten good at it man i freaking love the thing i can almost not imagine i've been wondering where this thing has been my whole life and not imagine ever swimming without it for an entire practice ever again and it's super portable it's really cool so that's all coming up here in the training log everybody stay uh tuned in and listen in and listen for some training tips here we go
0: you are entering the centrite training log zone Cunelli. hi
1: everybody my name is Brett. i'm a tragedy i'm, Brett. Hi, I'm, Brett. I'm
2: I decided it's
1: time I got some friends more suited to my status.
0: But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself.
1: All right, welcome to a new training log. Start date March 30th. March 30th. Leaving the pool, and I've got Kai's bike in the back. My 11-year-old son's got triathlon practice this afternoon and I gotta go drop off his bike so he can go ride around like a maniac. We've been mountain biking lately and I want to tell you how to improve your swim by using a swim parachute. I've had to swim two days in a row because my bike is in the shop and I need to, uh, man there's a whole bunch of things that just needed some work. Bottom bracket needed tightening up because it's creaking just a little bit and there's a uh, severe lack of grip tape out on the brake lever bars the bullhorns and the uh the pursuit bars and man i had a long list of things i can't think of it now you know check the chain for stretch uh busted off bottle cage broken this broken that bike's beaten down man anyway i've uh I've gotten this swim parachute. I promised on the last episode I'd talk about it. So you can get... uh, The one I have is made by Finis. F-I-N-I-S. And they come in two sizes. 8 inch and 12 inch. And I went for the big one. They said it's better for big male swimmers. Um, And I can tell you it's like swimming with an anchor behind you. So (laughs) unless you're a division one sprint freestyler, uh, you might consider a uh, the eight inch because the 12 inch is almost to the point of where you think you're not going anywhere. It is real work. It's taken me a few practices to figure it out, but now that I figured it out, I thought I'd share it with you so you can do it too. It's really cool. First off, it's only like uh 20, 25 bucks, maybe 30 after it's delivered. And then you, um, it's just got a typical kind of wide nylon belt. It's not elastic or anything, just a belt that you uh, clip to your waist and I don't know who they thought this thing was made for, like elephants or something. It's got just a ton of of uh, extra line in it. But anyway, and then it's got adjustable length, which actually I've never messed with. And then the uh, parachute itself is kind of on a swivel a little bit. And the, uh, the reviews online were saying a couple people out of, you know, 100. But they do stand out, you know. And it got in the way of my kick. I didn't like it. Uh, bothered me in my kick, and somebody else said it twisted a lot, you know, kind of like a, how a phone, phone cord gets twisted up, and then other people replied back and said, I don't know what you're talking about, and the thing's got a little swivel pivot in it, <sighs> and I found that, uh, yeah, I haven't had any problem with it twisting whatsoever. It was kind of like dark navy and not exactly black, but anyway, what you do is you swim easy for about 10 minutes to get nice and loosened up. You know, get all the blood going to the right places because this thing is you're gonna. It's like you're pulling a water buffalo the wrong way, and then uh, you just clip the the uh, belt on and push off the wall, and you figure you're gonna start swimming, but no, you come to a slamming halt, <laughs> just like wham, <laughs> and it's about uh, yeah, about when you hit the uh, the flags over the end of the you know the five. Uh, whatever five yard um, lane marker thing but anyway and you start swimming and what it does is because you're not you're having to pull really hard you can feel in your hands and in your forearms how to catch the water to pull yourself through you find the most efficient way to get grip on the water uh, to get pull and that is really, really important. So um, what I do is 20 minutes. You may want to build your way up to 20 minutes. Um, but I would build your way up to 20 minutes outside the pool. I would do 20 minutes on the bike, climbing on the trainer, right? Going uphill on a bigger year to practice to get your mindset, you're ready for 20 minutes then go do it in the pool because if you do like five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 minutes you may never make it to 20 because mentally you're too weak and uh, to do something for 20 minutes that's hard so do it on the bike first or on the treadmill 20 minutes get a good feel learn that you know you can handle this and then you pull the sucker along and you're probably going half as fast as you used to but because the cord is pulling back on your waist it does kind of lift you up a little bit at the waist but not at the feet and at first I was struggling with it and I uh, I went and put a pool boy between my legs to float my legs and that was great um and then I thought well I'm spending 20 minutes here pulling this thing uh not working on my legs at all working on my kick So I went back to using the kick once I kind of figured out how to um pull this thing, uh, not too hard, not too easy, you know, kind of get a good feel. And then, um, I took the the pull boy out and what I've noticed is if you're a, I wouldn't say a, I wouldn't say a weak swimmer, but I don't, just not that experienced of like full combat swimming with other people, then that tether can bother you at your feet when you touch it every once in a while with your with your heels or your toes sometimes you kick it and it just stops your foot dead in its tracks and then you kind of sink a little bit you're like ah and um but hardcore training means you got to simulate race conditions a little bit right so something kind of touching your feet every once in a while is actually good it's good you need to be Well, in a race, people are touching your feet. People are hitting your feet. Random things are touching your feet. Things that freak you out are touching your feet. Things are slowing you down here and there. Um, Things are not perfect in a race. So, F it, man. You know, it's race simulation. It's also like the reason every once in a while I swim with my head out of the water to practice sighting. You know, with the drag shoot. And um, so, after a little while of that. Um, I've learned that, yeah, uh, don't need the pull boy. and actually being able, you don't want to kick much at all. You want to kick just enough to get your feet up. Uh, and, uh, it's, it actually really works really, really, really well. Um, and then what happens is if you can't do a flip turn, well, then you're trying too hard, which is really nice. It's a kind of measured amount. Um, if you can easily do a flip turn no problem then you're not trying hard enough <laughs> so your flip turn needs to be your uh, kind of struggle indicator oh somebody tried to whip around traffic to get around this stoplight and then they screwed up you got stuck lady your smart move wasn't so smart was it okay then uh, so yeah flip turns with the drag shoot now how do you do flip turns with the drag shoot this is interesting if you do a flip turn At the normal place that you're used to doing the flip turn, let's say like a foot and a half from the wall, your head, uh, that drag chute will keep you from, when you flip and then you try to push off the wall, there's no wall. You're not close enough to the wall. The chute slowed you down. And actually, you got to swim until you get your head within like probably four inches of the wall, maybe closer, and then flip. And you think, oh, that's too close. I'm going to slam my head into the wall. No, you won't, because that drag chute's going to keep you from going (laughs) anywhere. (laughs) Ah, man, it's good stuff. And then it's kind of like, well, this drag chute cable, uh, well, it's a nylon webbing uh, line. uh, It's going to hit my feet, you know, when I try to flip. And what I figured out is, because I was doing kind of like a little twist and then trying to, to, you know... Keep it to my side whenever I went up and over. My feet went up and over, or my um, what else? Uh, I don't know. But just trying different things Uh, because what actually works is to split you. You split your feet just the tiniest bit, and then flip. And then what happens is is the cord goes right between your legs as you flip, and. It doesn't get in the way at all and then when you push off the wall go a little bit deeper and you'll go either under or kind of around the uh, little chute thing and then you'll take off the other way and get about two strokes in and then wham the chute catches you again as you try to push off and man i gotta say the thing is freaking rad so i do 20 minutes of that so warm up 10 minutes swimming get you know get moving and then 20 minutes of drag shoot. And then the, you need to go back to swimming without everything to take what you've learned and implement it in your stroke. It's very critical. Whenever you do a drill of any kind that you mix back in just regular swimming and uh, so you feel, like say you're doing like glide and stuff like that, you know, extended glide. Well, then you need to swim regular and go, okay, now this is how I implement this new movement that I've learned into my um, into my swim. All right, hold on just a second. All right, back. Okay, so uh, 10 minutes easy, warm up. 10, 20 minutes drag shoots. Now you're at half an hour. And then do 10 minutes easy to uh, practice what you've learned. Not hard, Just it's recovery, 10 minutes recovery. And then 20 minutes, again, drag shoot. So it's kind of like uh, two by 20 minutes with going uphill swimming or against the current hard and um, then if you want to uh, after you're done with that second round of drag shoot uh, swim a couple minutes kind of see how it feels mixed in with your stroke and that is it and um, uh, I've been uh, training for with uberman in my mind it's 21 mile open water swim from Catalina Island to Santa Barbara maybe I forgot where we we're going to land, and then bike over to Death Valley, and then run the Badwater 135, and bike 400 miles over California mountains, yeah, to uh, Death Valley, and uh, the drag shoot's really cool because it's a lot like running with a weight vest, which I've done before. the the time, the couple times that I've run with a weight vest and then run a ultra marathon on trails, the ultra marathon felt really really easy. I was just coasting through those things because your body's used to the impact of something way harder than what you were doing in training and um, as long as you never touch the uh, thing the effort that you had to put out in training then you know that you can keep going and keep going and keep going and you just pour carbs on the problem and uh, you can just keep cruising and have a a really nice time so uh, the Uberman race director emailed everybody Uh, there's now there's probably looks like 13 14 15 of us or so that um and asked for everybody's swim times that we plan on swimming and when i swam across tahoe 22 miles uh it was 13 and a half hours but it was mostly smooth the um probably two-thirds of the way um so this will not be mostly smooth two-thirds of the way um it'll probably be okay but who knows um but it's one mile shorter and it's at sea level instead of high altitude like tahoe was so i just figured the same amount of time 13 and a half um tahoe was uh probably about the same as swimming this thing i guess i don't know <laughs> we'll find out and yeah that's about it so i got a lot of stuff going on today hope you enjoy the drag shoot stuff because that is man i am happy with that thing oh and the other thing is so zen it's so simple man there's no moving parts and you just do it You just clip it on And swim Oh the other thing I wanted to mention This was the last thing About Because swimming Is so much like 500 yards this And do 350 On a 145 And a Two Two 100s On a On a On a 115 And then swim 500 yards With a 150 uh, Whatever Break And then For 15 seconds and Times 12 And uh That stuff's all great Right Because that works For, for pool Sprint swimming Um But if you're doing endurance stuff, man, I got to say, you can throw all that crap out the window and just do intervals by time and just look at your watch at what you're doing. And I've got a Garmin 920 and it is so worth the investment because it's so simple. Um, You just swim 10 minutes easy, 20 minutes hard, 10 minutes easy, 20 minutes hard. And if it doesn't line up exactly with the wall, that's fine. Who cares? Uh, Just do like you would do on the bike. You know, you would go 30 minutes easy, warm up and then 15 minutes hard and then five minutes easy, 30 minutes hard, you know, whatever, I don't know, uh, whatever you're doing, five minutes hard, five minutes easy, five minutes hard, five minutes easy. Just do it in the, in the, um, in the pool and look at your watch and then you don't have to have these like super complicated workouts, uh, to entertain you, uh, all in a Ziploc bag on written on paper, printed out, you know, a new one every day on the um, on the side of the pool that you have to look at constantly to see what you're doing next. And instead of looking at what you should be doing, you just tell yourself what you're going to do before you get in and just do it. Just do it. All right, that's it. I got to go into W 2 ERK. Got a lot of stuff going on today. Out. Bang. All right. We should be almost done with the training log here. We'll see if we can uh, squeeze it all in. Uh, it's Monday morning. I'm driving to the pool. But... Saturday, Kai had a soccer game at 10, so I got up early and uh, went and ran two hours straight. And with my foot injury, I was a little worried about that, but it ended up being uh, pretty nice. And uh, took the dog with me and posted pictures. You know, he stopped to take pictures and all kinds of stuff. It's uh, just a real nice uh, longer run for me right now. Uh, just average around a 10 minute mile. Maybe a little faster. Like nine and a half. Uh, trying to take it easy. Not doing any intervals with a foot injury. So I don't make it worse. And then. My uh, kind of soccer game. Middle of the day stuff. Went to Chewy's. Which is this really cool uh, Mexican restaurant. And then. That evening. Um, went to. Oh I did uh, Zwift. On the trainer because I needed to be at the house and uh, supervising uh, two kids, Kai and his friend. Uh, Emily went out for a girls' night out with the ladies. And uh, that was pretty cool. Just uh, rode some Zwift. And, man, you can get in some powerful training on the thing. And then uh, the uh, the other lady's kid was, was real interesting, real clingy, you know, like kept asking me, I wonder when they're gonna be back. I wonder when they're gonna be back. And uh um, that kid is uh not in uh Boy Scouts and Kai's in scouts and always been working on Kai on being independent and telling me he needs to be able to do things on his own sometimes and, and uh the difference between the two was really interesting. And uh then let's see, uh got up Sunday morning early because I knew I had a full schedule. I've been talking with a friend, my, uh, ultra distance godfather, uh, Chris, uh, who's the guy that got me into triathlon and ultra running in the first place. He said, Hey, you haven't been mountain biking with me for a while. Uh, do you want to go mountain biking? And this was, you know, a few days before. And I said, heck yeah, dude, I went mountain biking last weekend and had such a blast. We got this new place that's open and it's really doable and fun. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so that we were scheduled that for Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and uh, Kai's going, Emily's going. We got other triathlete friends with kids that are going. Everybody's going. Uh, I don't know, like ten people all together. <laughs> at 3 p.m. It all worked out. Everybody's planning on doing this at 3 p.m. So um, now mountain biking with a group of people, any kind of working out with a group of people, unless you're working out with with uh, freaks that are far better than you are, then you're going to be, if you're working out with freaks that are far better than you are, then they're going to push you. But if you're working out with just friends that are kind of into it, sort of, you know, and don't work out a lot, well, it's going to be a real lazy pace. Not lazy for them, but lazy for you. And it's kind of semi-workout, right? But Dude, a semi-workout mountain biking is so therapeutic. It's so, like, chill because you're in the woods, and it's beautiful. And so it's worth it. It's totally worth it. And uh, so Sunday morning, I got Galveston 70.3 next weekend. So uh, as you're in the interview with a pro, either going on this show or next show, about five days taper. um, And it's on a Sunday, so I got plenty of time. So, uh, this Sunday, seven days before I'm doing, uh, you know, a big day, my last big day. So I figured, uh, I can do three hours nonstop, uh, brick, uh, you know, bike, and then a brick run and then, uh, hit the pool. No, uh, then go mountain biking in the afternoon. And then if I have energy, go swimming in the evening. So it's nice and cold out in the morning. I get up early Sunday morning and, uh, really cold, like 40 cold for here. 40, uh, we had a cold front come through because it gotten up into the 70s and stuff. Um, 40-something degrees. So I bundled up with a second layer. I've got a Camelback that's like the neon yellow Camelback, and I wore that uh, just because traffic makes me nervous a little bit sometimes. And uh, that thing on my back makes me really easy to spot in traffic coming up behind. Somebody texting on their phone is my worry. You know, and then they clip you because they're not expecting to see a cyclist. With that bright yellow Camelback, they make one. A uh, Camelback Rogue. I don't know if... I got it a few years ago it's like bright 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 yellow safety yellow and um, went uh, an hour out and an hour back and then uh, on the tri bike you know just hammering along having a good time took pictures and uh, that's a way to slow yourself down so you don't overtrain is stop every once in a while and take pictures stop and smell the flowers literally And then Got off the bike And I'm trying to get out on the run Emily knows I'm doing a brick run Because before I left I said this is my stuff for my brick run Don't put it away Leave it right here While I'm gone And uh, I come back in And she says Hey I need you to help me Get all these pictures off the iPhone Uh, I need to take my iPhone To get it worked on And they're going to ruin it So I need all all these photos backed up How do I do it? And I'm like I can't do that right now. I'm going out on the on a brick run. I told you I'm going out on a brick run, um, and this is going to take half an hour. It actually took half an hour or more. It probably took 45 minutes to refigure out how to do this because you got to copy it to an SD card. You know, it's just, uh, um, and I work in IT, uh, so I'm also the family's uh, IT guy, like the extended family's IT guy, and uh, uh, man so we had a little argument there and I'm like after I finish my run then I'll sit down and do it not right this second she's like Huffy about it <laughs> um, maybe that's what the Huffy bike brand is was uh, named after is a spouse that's irritated because you won't fix their phone but then um, went out and had a nice run and a good pace opened up the legs a little bit so and finished by 11 so that's uh Eleven thirty, maybe. Uh, so three hours nonstop, mostly in the morning, and then I had an interview with uh, Brad Williams, and then ended up. Why am I behind the slowest guy ever? And then ended up um, going mountain biking at three p.m. and that was super fun. Uh, the timing worked out great. We did an hour. It took two. See, that's the thing. It took two hours with all the socializing. But an hour of mountain biking almost nonstop, and I've got this busted-up arm where I can't do... I, can, I can't, like, hold the handlebars with just my left hand, and if I take a big impact, it sends pain. And I'm also weak in my left arm, so uh, I have to be kind of careful. Um, and it was funny, because Chris is... Uh, he and I rode together while everybody else kind of did their own thing, because he's pretty advanced, and um, I'm in better shape than he is, but he's a much better mountain biker than I am. So um, it makes for funny pacing because anytime it gets technical, I have to slow down, especially with my arm. And he r- runs into the rear of me. But anytime it straightens out and starts going uphill, or you know, where he needs endurance or power, then um, I start distancing, you know, uh, on him. We're constantly losing contact and slamming into each other. It's kind of funny. But uh, we were talking most of the time. Ended up doing an hour. Emily and Kai and all these other people are out there. And it ended up being just a beautiful afternoon. And then we had a uh, beer afterwards. It sounded something like women doing kegels. Is what the brand name was. It was pretty funny. And uh, then I came home. By then, it's 5 o'clock. I said, let me lay down for a nap. And then I I had a small dinner. And I said, let me lay down for a nap and then I'm gonna go uh swim in the evening. It's gonna be a five hour day. And then I woke up at seven o'clock and the pool closes at eight. <laughs> and it takes half an hour to get there. And so I was like, ah oh, crap. Anyway, um all this weekend, all ever since Wednesday, I've been using UCAN for fuel and I didn't want to talk about it too much because one, it's expensive, and two, I'm not sure it really works. Uh, So I don't want to be promoting anything that is kind of just a gimmick and not really like a for-real thing, So uh, especially if it's expensive. But I've been using it for all my workouts. I figured that was the thing, just go all in. And um, I think I'm figuring it out, uh, how to use it how it works. And basically, UCAN, U-C-A-N, is just a really, really slow burn carb. And don't think of it much more than that. And so that's got a lot of uses. Oh, a possum just ran across the street. <laughs> or maybe a cat. can't tell. It was a kitty cat. Uh, it's a really, really slow bone carb. So, you know, if you're using gels and whatever, and they go high and then low and high and then low, and it sends your body the optimism and then shock. Optimism and then shock. Well, you can add this to your fuel. Let's say you're going to do 200 calories per hour, 250, 300. Well, you could make a hundred calories per hour of your fuel out of this stuff, and it'll level out your um, your your energy. Um, and then, if you're doing a very short workout, like an hour, then you can just take this uh, like half an hour beforehand, and basically, uh, and then you'll have um, you'll have even energy uh, throughout, and not need any kind of like simple sugars like a Gatorade or anything like that and maybe not anything afterwards for a little while and what i've figured out is what what it does is it makes you sort of bonk proof um with the slow trickle it's almost like you're you're um running biking or swimming with an iv drip bag of glucose attached to you um I'm parking it's almost like you're, uh, yeah. So because you've already eaten it and, um, it's, uh, just the super, super slow re- release carb. Well, let's take, say you take like Gatorade or something like that and it gives you a high and then a low, well, you never go really low because you've got this very slow release carb still working in the background. Um, and that's the way I found it, uh, to work. It's, it's just really, um, cause you could do just gels and simple sugars, stuff like that for a long time. Long day, but eventually you're going to get sick like, up and down and up and down going to create potholes <laughs> to go into um the uh what what's nice is because u can is so expensive that you would um, get to the point where you don't need it during short workouts at all, and then just for the long stuff and then I feel and that's what uh Sammy Inkinen said he got to and I feel that that's uh probably um a good place to be and you could take like an Amrita bar, which is a really slow release um, a little bit before you work out and then have slow release carbs because it's got fiber in it, right? Well, the problem is is if you're doing five, six hours, that fiber starts to, to, um, hurt. Um, so you need something that's very slow release that doesn't have fiber and that's hard to come by. And that seems to be what you can, uh, might be the whole like extreme point of view, just, you can, well, maybe, I don't know. But if you're doing, um, If you're going hard and you're going a long ways, then um, you might need UCAN and uh, something else. So it's cool. You can mix it all in the same bottle. That's what I was doing. I had a fuel bottle with um, Gatorade powder and some maltodextrin and UCAN. And then that way, it's a mix of both fast and slow, so it kind of covers everything. But anyway, uh, that's it. Um, Let's uh, see how Galveston goes. It's the end of the training log. By the time you hear this, uh, we'll have a little breakdown on how Galveston went, hopefully. And then, uh, no, I should try to get this out before Galveston. And, uh, yeah, uh, racing season is here in North America. So everybody stay safe out there. Uh, Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out.